Hey, I'm Jeff Reed. I'm Craig Killian. And this is the From First to Last podcast. This is a From First to Last podcast. It's a podcast where my friend Craig and I, we get together each week. We work our way through a director's theatrical filmography from the first film all the way through to the last. Craig, we're at season five. Yeah. Ron Howard. Oh, We're Ron. actually 20 films into a filmography. 20 films, man. Okay, so remind me again, how many did Rob, old Robbie Z have? Bobby Z in season one. I believe that he did 23 uh, for his whole career. Man. So, so, yeah, we're on, we're on the road to cracking that. Yeah. Well, this will be our longest season yet. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, But we're not too far off the end. I think we've only got like four or five movies left. That's pretty hardcore. When you only say four, only four or five, and that's like three you quarters go. of Joe Carnahan. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Zack Snyder. That's it. Nearly his whole filmography. filmography. <laughs> so, how are you finding the season? Justice League again. Pardon? How are you finding this season? Found it good, man. It's, it's, it's just, it's very um, different than what I expected on some of it. Some of it's a re- beautiful rediscovery of things that you just really took for granted when it came to yeah. um, old Ronnie. Um, but it's good to actually, I don't know, it's its 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 leaving me with very good feelings on these movies, man. Yeah, I'm the same, I, especially this back half of the season. Yeah, different. I it's feel like hes it's really a tale of two directors in a sense, isn't yeah. it? But it's also, its I don't know much about this back half. Um, yeah, it's cool. And that's isn't what's it? really cool about it. It's like, oh, okay, this is like something I just haven't seen. Yeah, so good. Well, last week we had a chat about Frost Nixon. Beautiful. You could say that we practically gushed over Frost Nixon the it's whole episode. Hard not to episode. gush over it. Hard not to gush over it. It's a great film. I'm if it came over here, I'd watch it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like it's, the play. Sorry, I mean. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. If they if they brought the play to say the Opera House or something, yeah, I would be there. In I would be an there. Instant. Yelling out. Love you, Michael. <laughs> Love you. Yes, we do like old Sheeny, don't we? Yeah, exactly. He's great. But that was a double entendre. I got it. Yeah, did you I got you what you're saying. Oh, yeah, I got what you're saying. Just like show you. We'll sure get there can... a bit later, Craig. We'll get there a bit later. Because this week, we're returning to the world of Robert Langdon. Yeah. For Angels and Demons. Bobby Lang. It's nice to see. I think Tom Hanks has his real hair in this uh, this season. Fantastic. This, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a great time a couple episodes ago talking about The Da Vinci Code. Yes, very disappointing. Uh, it was a very disappointing film. <laughs> uh, like, it's really, for those, if this is your first episode listening, hey, I'm Jeff. What's I'm up? Craig. I'm, I'm Craig. What's up? Uh, What's I up, have baby? the blue mic. He has the orange one. Yeah, exactly. You we're can't not allowed see to talk it. about it. We're not allowed to talk about your orange mic. There's some past episodes. episodes. Craig got busted. Go back and try find it. Try. Try find it. It's worth it if you can. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is there. It's still there. We haven't cut it out. We haven't cut it out. You'll find some jokes about Susan Boyle. My wife nearly cut off stuff. Yikes. Nearly cut things off. Yeah, exactly. Yikes. But we had a good time. We did have a good time talking about the Da Vinci Code, but ultimately we felt it was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, shame. Um. And so this makes this week's episode with Angels and Demons an interesting one because in my memory, this is the better of the... I've only seen two of the three Robert Langdon films. Oh, you haven't seen Inferno? No, not yet. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I take that back, John. I was saying to John on the phone the other day. No. He's like, oh, I was saying, oh, yeah, Jeff loves them. 
I think I'm sure he's seen them all. No, I haven't seen Inferno yet. Angels and Demons has has probably been my favourite of the two that I've seen. Cool. Um, so I've been looking forward to today, especially after the disappointment of the first one. Yeah. Because knowing it was better, I was like, I really hope this is like almost like the Howard redemption for Robert Langdon. I, I, I am the opposite. I was like, oh, great. I have to trudge through shittery again. <laughs> <laughs> well, trudge hey, through wigs. Should we get into it? Let's get into it. Let's get cracking. No like messing it. about this week. No, Let's just no, get we're not straight into around. it. No messing about. Do you know what's crazy? There's actually six months between Frost Nixon and Angels and Demons. Really? Six months. Six months, man. What's even crazier is that is that Angels and Demons was delayed. So it would have been released almost the same week as Frost Nixon. Oh, really? Yes. Well, I guess like it's all in the one place. It's not like jumping around the world. Like Divinci yeah, it's Co. just in Italy, isn't it's it? It's just in Italy. Yeah, and we'll get there in a minute because there's some really cool things they did. Because what's crazy is that 2007, 2008 yep. were the year that the writer's strike hit. Oh. And so 2009 is a year that a lot of films sort of got released post uh, the writer's strike. The writer's strike. That killed my favourite TV show, Heroes. Oh, it sure did kill Heroes, yeah, didn't it? It, was just it went down. They tried to bring there. it back, but yeah. it was gone. It wasn't the same, was nope. it? Sorry. So as we discussed in the Da Vinci Code episode, in 2003, Sony Pictures acquires the rights to Dan Brown's Angels and Demons and The Da Vinci Code. Yep. And all subsequent sequels featuring Robert Langdon. So is on. Inferno a sequel? Like a book yes. sequel or is it a movie sequel? Inferno is a book Because you've read all from the books. Memory. Uh, actually, I haven't read from Da Vinci Code onwards. So I haven't done The Lost Symbol. Oh, and there's a Lost Symbol. Lost Symbol came out after that. Um, and then Inferno. Oh. And from my knowledge, which I haven't done any research yet, but from my knowledge... Ron Howard was interested in making the lost symbol and there's something that happened that made him pull out from making it. Oh. And then he returned for Inferno later. So Lost Symbol was meant to be one of his next films. Oh cool. cool. So really interesting. I'll look into that. But following the success of the the novel Da Vinci Code was the first film that they decided to make. Yeah. That decided to make and it was a massive financial success. Yes. But it got Pretty mixed reviews. <laughs> Similar to our episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of people talked about the pacing of the film. Yeah. Talked about how did. long it went for. Yeah. And Grazer actually came out following on from it and talked about the fact that uh, the pay, the, they paid too much attention to being like the novel. That's all. Yeah, that's what, that was what we said. Yeah. It, it needed to be more a movie version of the... Exactly. Uh, exactly. Movilization of yeah. the novel. Yeah. <laughs> That's a new word and I love thank it. Thank you. Thank you. And so, as soon as Da Vinci Code's a success, Sony rehires Akiva Goldsman, who wrote the script to the Da Vinci Code. Yep. To then work on Angels and Demons. The problem they faced was that Da Vinci Code was actually the sequel to Angels and Demons in novels. Ah, okay. Whereas yep. Angels and Demons was going to become a sequel to the Da Vinci Code film. So I had to do a little bit of tweaking and shifting a few I'm sure character Dan things care. in there. But there are little moments in the film that oh, Dan's probably just cashing his that checks. Is, he's just cashing good. in. Uh, but there were little Looking moments like in, in, <laughs> in Angels and Demons that were really prevalent in 
Da Vinci Code that they didn't do and people were upset about. So, <laughs> like, one of the things about Robert Langdon's character is he wears this Mickey Mouse watch all the time. Yes, saw that. Awesome. And, it's, and it's one of those things that is, like, if you are paying homage to the novel and really paying tribute to the novel in the right way, leaving out the Mickey Mouse watch from the Da Vinci Code film was sort of like a, oh, that's one of his things that, that are cute and trait. people love about his okay. character and they didn't do it. So that's why Angels and Demons does have that moment where he looks at his Mickey Mouse watch. Yeah, it could have been anyone's arm. It <laughs> probably was Ron Howard's. Actually, yeah, no, it wasn't red. Added, yeah, it would have been that <laughs> rang, your, rang your red arm. So the aim was to film in February 2008 and release 19th of December, which was a week after Frost, Frost Nixon. Yeah. Uh, but in 2000, November 2007, the writer's strike began and Angels and Demons, along with a heap of projects, became delayed. Howard was pretty frustrated by it too. He really wanted to, because he planned so many projects in oh, advance. Do you reckon he gets high-pitched when he gets angry? I just reckon he gets quiet. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I imagine him. <laughs> I think I picture him taking his hat off and throwing it on the ground and being like a shazza. Oh, darn it. <laughs> yeah, like and the punching like Fonzie that. in the face. <laughs> Don't glower at me, Henry. <laughs> um, so the delay actually ended up becoming a bit of a blessing in disguise. Oh, cool. The reason for that is that it allowed them to hire David Coep to come in and rewrite the script. Punch it up. So Akiva Goldsman's written the script. Yep. Uh, by then, Da Vinci Code has been the success, but also released the reviews that people really got to s sort of yeah. view their opinions on how they felt about the film. So they bring Coep in. Now, if anyone doesn't know who David Coep is, let's just talk a few David Coep films. Oops. We've talked a few on this podcast already. I've gone blank. He wrote... Well, he wrote Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park The Lost World. Oh, he is punchy. He wrote Carlito's Way. Oh, I love Carlito. Carlito, Carlito. He wrote Brian De Palma's Mission Impossible. Oh, really? He also wrote Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Oh, that's right. He did. I remember this guy. He also worked on Ron Howard's The Paper. Oh, this guy ain't mad. He can put a word together. And Robert Zemeckis's Death Becomes Her. Ah, oh, that's where I ruined it. <laughs> no, that wasn't a bad script. That's he's, not a bad script. He has an amazing filmography. That's a huge filmography, man. So he's brought in to rewrite Goldsman's script Good. on Angels and Demons. And th what they really wanted to focus on was to right those wrongs that they felt the Da Vinci Code had done yeah. in a filmic sense. Yeah, exactly. So really to make this, um, and the word was reverential, was what kept getting used to describe how they treated the book. Nah. It was just too much. And so, yeah, they bring it in. That They really wanted it to be a different tone. Yeah. It was really important to them that the tone was different between the films. And they really wanted to avoid... One of the pitfalls they felt they, they'd hit in Da Vinci Code was the fact that whenever something was being explained, Robert Langdon stopped and lectured about it. Whereas they wanted to say to boost the adventurous feel of the film by making sure that he was in motion whenever he was explaining something. Oh, yes, that's very true. And so very by true. doing that, the viewer's going, oh, cool, we've got to get to wherever we're going. Yeah, as exactly. he's explaining, as opposed to stopping in the Louvre and being like, "Well, well," to by almost turning to camera and going, "That's exactly Hello. right." Yeah, that's exactly right. So, with the script completed, the aim was to shoot in the middle of two thousand and eight, mm. and following the writer strike, there was then rumours that there would be an actors guild strike. 
Oh, there was two. Yes. And so it means they began shooting in June 2008, but just in case there was an actor's strike, a Screen Actors Guild strike, yep. they did all the coverage shots that they required for the film quickly within three weeks and anything that would require uh, the stars to be out the front of buildings around the world. Oh, okay, cool. So the intention was is to do all those external shots and then the rest of it be recreated as sets on the Sony lot in the US. Oh, good idea. And using green screens and things like that, which they did. Yeah, they use a good chunk of green screen. Yeah. But to actually... Uh, to good, good effect. Good effect. Yeah, yeah it's really not good very, effect. It's not... Um, he did them as flourishes, which was good. Yeah, and I love those moments that are little flourishes. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get to flourishes a bit Ooh, later. I like a flourish. I've got, an, I've got a note about that one. So Howard's really bummed by the delays. And so one of the things that came as a really good part of the delay mm. was the fact that with Frost Nixon finished he actually was able to sort of port across uh, moments of filmmaking that he used in Frost Nixon that he learnt for that. So the more... Remember we had that discussion in our Frost Nixon episode about it's almost a documentary-style way of yeah. approaching the filmmaking? Yeah. He wanted to bring that across. So those moments when there's the, um, the palpable, like, March going on the yeah. procession and yeah. things like that, and it feels like you're watching almost like a news production yeah, yeah. Awesome. moments yeah. like those. Awesome. So they're little things that he was able to bring across from Frost Nixon that and may not have been in the film. And it was Apollo 13 too. Oh, Craig, you are reading my notes, my friend. Oh, booby. So, <laughs> so they actually gave it a more grounded feel. Yeah. Um, and I think it worked really well. So the film's released May 15, 2009 got better reviews than Da Vinci Code. Yep. And was financially successful. Now, something I also found, and I wrote this, so I wish I'd popped it in just a little bit earlier, but Tom Hanks was involved again, like he was in the Da Vinci Code, in who they hired yeah. to be the the actors and uh, female actors. Now, the role of Ewan McGregor, he actually offered to a very prominent actor, mm-hmm. and it was turned down. Ooh. He actually personally met with DiCaprio. I oh, wanted really? DiCaprio to play that role. Tom Hanks? Yeah, to play Ewan McGregor's role. Yeah, yeah. But at that stage, DiCaprio hadn't gone down the villain road. Ah, uh, okay. In films. Yeah. So it was probably just Spoiler. a bit too early. Um, no spoilers. Yes, spoilers. I yeah, spoiled spoiler. it weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, I did didn't you? realize how late the spoiler was. Oh, I forgot, man. So, oh, well, I had, like I said, I hadn't seen it before. So, but I remember people telling me that Ewan McGregor was like the villain. Yeah. He is. Spoiler. Sorry, John. Watch it. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, You don't miss him much. So, Craig, do you want to hear what was released in 2009? I doozies. Oh, Oh, it's a good year. Is it? It is a good year. The number one film for 2009 was Avatar. Ah, I loved it. James Cameron. Loved it. Bringing something special. Yeah, I know. Looking good. The um, sequel's coming through. I cannot wait to see how that turns out. I know. I reckon, once again, it's just going to boost up. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, totally. The number two film was Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Give me... That's the one where Snape... Snape dies. Um, No, not Snape dies. No, not Snape Um, dies. He's the Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, he is, yes. And Harry's doing... It's it's a really good one, actually. I think it's David Yates. Gary Oldman dies. It's after the one Gary Oldman dies. Yes. And they go back to his house and... It's that house at fault. Actually, Half-Blood Prince is... Yeah, it's the one after that. Because Order of the Phoenix is where... Serious Black dies. Ah, okay. 
So Half Blood Prince is the one. It's a really good one. Harry Potter finds the book of potions. Yeah. And he's following it and he has that like gets the liquid luck and he takes the oh, and totally Ron's gone. part of the Quidditch is that the team. Box? The box? You know, there's one box like they can put something in a box and then um and it shows up inside Hogwarts. Yes it is. Dumbledore dies. There we go. Spoilers. Awesome. We're dropping them all today. <laughs> Number three, Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Love it. Love all Ice Age. Number four, Ray Romano. Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. Haven't seen We're it. We're talking about those dangly nuts. Oh, is that that one? Yes. I have seen this it. This is the one we were at the uh, Ain't Nothing But a Rap Party. Oh, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Yes, yes, that's right. Here's, a, here's one that will be slightly Rudeness traumatic occurred. for Craig to talk about. Number five film for 2009 was 2012. Oh, I love 2012. <laughs> love 2012. What a great time. I got so many accolades for that review. <laughs> People were um, just like, oh my God, Craig. Number six was Twilight New Moon. Oh, what an amazing film. What an amazing film. Number love seven. Love R-Pats. Wow. R-Pats. Love R-Pats. 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 Um, number seven was Guy Ritchie, Sherlock Holmes. What awesomeness. Yeah, it is. Awesomeness, man. I, I remember watching Jude that Law. the first time and just going, man, this is just blowing my mind. Especially as you only knew Robert Downey Jr. in a modern sense as Iron Man. Yeah, exactly. It was so well done. Like that starting fight sequences and stuff. It's just brilliant. Loved it. Vintage Guy Ritchie. Ooh. The number eight film. Do you know what I've realised? I've not written the number eight film down, Craig. Awesome. Can anyone just, tell us? This is the guess for you. What is the number eight film? Number eight How film. How embarrassing. Is. Let's have a look here. The number nine film. Is Aragorn. Aragorn. <laughs> 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 I'm just looking at Jeff's bookshelf. My, is, oh, is that what's on the bookshelf? Is, is that? Thesaurus. Thesaurus. <laughs> Highest grossing films. Here we go for 2009. Bone, the collection. Oh, I feel so silly. Oh, what? Oh no! Terrible. Number six was di- was Pixar's Up. Oh, Jeff. Oh no! Sorry. Number seven was Twilight New Moon, followed by Sherlock Holmes. The number nine film was Angels and Demons. Yay! And the number ten film was The Hangover. Oh. Yeah. Also released. Here's a couple we've already talked about. This is actually our biggest year for film on the podcast. Oh. We've also talked about Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Oh, yep. Yup, yup, yup. We've talked about Robert Zemeckis' A Christmas Carol. Ah, uh, yep, yup, yup. And Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell. Oh, wow. That was a pretty good year, wasn't it? It was. Also released, Star Trek by J.J. Abrams. Oh, yeah. 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 Where the Wild Things Are from Spike Jones. Man, seriously, that's an underrated film. People need to get back on it. Get Massively. your ass back on it. At least just listen to the soundtrack. Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, we were just talking about that. We were. We? I went and saw it again at the cinemas this week. Michael Mann's Public Enemies. Oh, yeah, 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 yep. yep. Johnny yep, Depp. Yep, Johnny Depp. Uh, Liam Neeson arrived as Taken. Oh, superb. Actually released the year before. So I know. Then they re-released it. Yeah, a year later. Uh, Fast and Furious 4 came out, which was the reboot of the franchise to really take shape in the way uh, yeah. it went. man, loved it. Man, I was in on that so much. <laughs> you know yeah. what I love is that... Unless you look at Craig, you don't know which movie he's loving and which one he's not. <laughs> I put this one in because you did I some. I love most movies. You did a really interesting round table for it, Monsters vs. Aliens. 
Oh, yes. When Jeffrey, when Katzenberg. Jeffrey Katzenberg came in and cranky as shit. <laughs> cranky little dude, man. He's a cranky little dude. You got to see Light and Shade of Jeffrey Katzenberg. I oh, did, man. He came in and scared the fuck out of everybody in that whole round table. Like then a released Coraline. I love, man. That's one of my favorite, favorite films. Also released was Judd Apatow's Funny People. You know how I love that film. I've only ever watched it once, hey. Catherine Bigelow's The Hurt Locker. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I like Hurt Locker. Not a bad film. I Love You, Man. Get With it. Paul Rudd oh, and yeah, Jason Segel. Awesome. So that funny. Was awesome. it smells like fart. The infamous X-Men Origins Wolverine was released. Oh, yeah. Go Deadpool. State of Play. Still haven't seen it. It's That's good. with Russell Crowe and Ben Affleck? Yep. 500 Days of Summer. Oh, what a great film, man. Yep. When he was a good when he was a good director. Sam Rockwell in Moon. Oh, Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Zombieland. <laughs> Seriously, watching that for the first time was, just blew my mind. I watched part of the sequel the other day. I enjoyed the sequel. I've really got... Finish watching it. Okay, well... Finish oh, watching it. It's fun. Oh. It's just the I same. I like it. Fun. seems interesting. Like, it seems fun, um, but it's just, yeah. It just, ends with one of the best closing credits. Woody Harrelson, man. I love him. They do a... Um, it's press... They're doing a press junket for a movie. <laughs> And it's all the reviewers. They got like famous reviewers all dressed up as zombies and they're attacking like Woody Harrelson and everything. <laughs> in there. Um, also released Brothers Bloom and Terminator Salvation. Brothers Bloom, I haven't seen. Neither. I really want to see it. Terminator Salvation, obviously. Yep. Oh, Sam. That was Sam yep, kicking Sam through. Wellington. Hey. Big year. So, Craig, that's the lead up in history. That's a pretty good year. That's the year in a nutshell. Yeah, that's a pretty good year. So, before we really dive into. Year the film itself yeah let's just take a moment craig let's review what the film's all about and let's just hear about it robert langdon is back and this time he's not slowing down to explain himself langdon also faces a race against the clock as he tries to stop members of the vatican being murdered while also trying to foil an act of terror it's a tense thriller and a worthy sequel let's talk about angels and demons so good craig now i'd love to know when was the last time you saw this film? Never. Interesting. Never, 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 never. never. No, hated the first one so much. I was like, no, I'm not watching this crap again. <laughs> <laughs> and Shablang, you're watching all three. Taboo! <laughs> Let's do Ron Howard. Oh, cool. Who don't want Ron Howard? Curse <laughs> <laughs> you, OP. Um, I wish I'd written down when I'd actually last watched it. It's been a little while. I've not watched it since I've bought it on Blu-ray, though. So and he hasn't written down. That means the medication's working everywhere. <laughs> it's somewhere. It is definitely somewhere. I'll have it on my spreadsheet, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, what were you expecting then, Craig? Because after oh, Da Vinci crap. Code, you were just expecting crap, terrible. Crap, crap, horrible dross. Yeah, Like, honestly, I, I was like, look, because the Da Vinci Code seemed to me like, well, you know, what's the odds of actually getting a good sequel when the first one's not that good? Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, well, you know, this is just going to be more of the worst. You know, I remember um, I was talking to Brooke, um, and because Brooke, Brooke's been watching every movie with me. And she's like, oh, so do you want me to wait and watch this? I said, to be honest, you don't have to wait. This isn't going to be good. This is going to be a, <laughs> like a nice piece of crap for you, love. I go, just do what you, you know, go do whatever you want to watch and I'll just watch this, you know, bit way through the day. And I watched a bit way through the day before dinner and stuff like that, a little bit after. But yeah, 
Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. I was like, this is gonna be crap. so crazy. It's gonna be crap. I um, I think I mentioned. I can't remember if I mentioned it at the start of the episode or if it was off air. But um, so I was really hopeful for Da Vinci Code that it would be better than I remembered. Yeah. And then when we didn't get that. I was concerned about Angels and Demons because in my memory, it was the better of the two films that I'd seen. Ah, oh, okay. So I knew the pacing was better. I knew it felt more like an like an intellectual Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. So there was, I think there were stakes as well was what I remembered. So the fact that Cardinals were being branded gave it a stakes like you had to get from place to place yeah. rather than... We got to find this treasure, but you really don't know what happens. You yeah, know, we just yeah, cool. there's stakes, oh, but there wasn't individual. Oh, I'm that treasure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Cool. Yeah, well, we could have just stayed in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> None of this. We could have held up at a hotel yeah, and exactly. had a great time. Yeah, exactly. Just so snorted coke and good for it. I was a bit worried about angels and demons, but at the same time, I was excited that it could live up to what I remembered in my mind. Yeah. And I knew after the Da Vinci Code episode that you were so bummed about Da Vinci Code. I was so bummed. That I was, I was just hoping, hoping for a rediscovery. Yeah, and you I know? was I was I was really hoping that Angels and Demons might be the film that sways your oh mind. God, I was hoping to go back to the restaurant and realize there was new managers and Yes. Yeah, you know I mean it's oh, yeah. Because yeah, we have oh. had that Howard journey. So it makes sense that you could go back to the restaurant and it be a much better meal than you remember. Yeah, exactly. Well, Parenthood is is a ten times better film yes. um, than I ever remember. Like I enjoyed watching it, but yeah. I it actually the emotional resonance of Parenthood actually hit me more. Yeah, you know? and that's what that I was, sense. I guess, obviously hoping in some sense to get from the Da Vinci Code. Yep. And no, boom, boom, as my wife would say. For Da Vinci Code? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Um, so, I'm really interested then, Craig. Let's get into Angels and Demons. Yeah, cool. Does it at least exceed Da Vinci Code? You know what? I think it took everything wrong with the Da Vinci Code and corrected it. Yeah. Like, honestly, this is a movie where, I, look, it's, it's still, you know, giving away the ending of our ranking, it's still not going to be hugely high. Yep. But this was a good film. Yeah, it was, I wasn't really, it? Really? I, like, I found it's because I was, like I said, I was like, I was going to watch, like, it was before dinner. Yeah. Brooke was cooking dinner. I said, I'm just going to whack on a bit now because, you know, that's a movie I, you don't be serious in because you're not putting a lot in the whole time on. Yes. I said, oh, I'll just watch a bit now and I'll watch a bit later. But I was like, man, I don't want to finish it. It's going really good, you know? Yeah. I was like, she's like, come on, we've got to come over for dinner. I was like, oh, man, this is really good. I don't want to. And I was really, I really enjoyed this film. It's, yeah. It, um, it's all the things that I really wanted to see in Da Vinci Code. Like, yes. And ironically... It made me feel wrong about the Division Code when I said that um, Tom Hanks was ill-suited for the role. No. Because I think he is great in this role, in yes. this one. <laughs> he is, isn't it? I guess he doesn't feel more like a professor here. You know what I mean? Like, he, Well, because it's strange because he's meant to be a expert, not a, yeah. not not even a professor. Yeah, Do you it, know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. It's just but like... Didn't, Da Vinci Cody was just this boring-ass dude. Bookish. Yeah, like, I don't mind bookish, you know. Hey, but you know. I think what, what Angels and Demon does is it gives him moments where his intellect has to be tested to survive. Yeah. And you understand. I actually wish, in a way, 
that Angels and Demons, the film we got for Angels and Demons, yeah, was done before Da Vinci Code. Yeah. So then I think you could almost forgive a slower-paced Da Vinci Code film yeah, because you have an understanding of the character. Yeah, I could see the point of that. Like, I, it's... it's, But I... And I was thinking that earlier, you know, maybe, oh, maybe if I watched a Da Vinci, um, Angels of Demons, then a Da Vinci Code, yep. I'd be more forgiving of it. But it's still some of the pacing still of Da yeah. Vinci Code. And also the lackluster action, you know, sequences There's and stuff. There's too much exposition between pieces oh but also like like you said uh, th- there's more on the line in this yes so even when he has like you said when he has to learn to try to get out of things you know like in these older places like in the fire there's yeah. a scene in um angel demons where there's a fire there's a they've actually got one of the cardinals that caught him on fire yeah and they're all trying to get out of it then they run into the guy the hitman who's doing it all and he's shooting at everyone and he needs to bust away you know these are all good moments none of those moments are in yeah, Da Vinci Code. None of them. Yeah. I own Da Vinci Code. I think... Actually, I'm trying to think. Like, well, when does Paul Bettany ramp up? He appears at one of the churches, but I think, again, it's more of a... He grabs the girl's hand and they run out the side door. Yeah, as exactly. As opposed to... You know, the the, the, the probably the, the, the biggest moment of that is the moment when he's stuck in the back of the truck and yeah. they've just escaped um, Ian McKellen's house. Yeah. That's probably the most tense moment. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, if when you really think about it is, like, or when they break out, yeah, when they obviously, yeah, break out of the truck where the guy shoots at them, they really leave unscathed. Yeah, it's weird, in isn't it? Da Vinci it? Code. Um, in here, you feel the pressure. Yes. But also, he comes across more confident. Yeah, even from the get-go, we start the first time we see him's not giving a lecture. Yeah. He's swimming. Yeah, exactly. And so there's immediately you shifted to, oh, actually, there's a bit of athleticism to him. But also when he looks up and stuff like that, you can see he's actually, he's, he's symbols. He's, yes. His mind's still ticking over. And I really, you know, and yeah, that's what's great. That's what's great about him here. Like like I was saying, more, he's more confident in what he wants. Yes. And when he, like, you know, when he looks at the guys, he goes, guys, you called me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like um, when they're saying, oh, you know, I don't want him against man, you call me. Yeah. You know, I'm here to, I'm here because I'm the best there is at, well, they, you know, what it is. You know, when he's yelling at him, I need everything from the church now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And stuff like that. He stands up for himself instead of just being this, I don't know, weakling academic. Like yeah, it's weird, isn't it? In the first one. I guess it's, that's what I love about this is mm. because suddenly we have a hero. Yes, exactly. He fits the hero mold more. Yeah. And you it's hard to say for, you know, Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know I mean? And it was hard to say at the time because I remember saying, oh, Tom Hanks isn't, you know, he maybe he's not really that action savvy. But then coming out of it and remembering, you know, Saving Private Ryan yep. and all that and going, oh, really? That makes no sense what I said. Yeah, but Saving Private Ryan, he's not an action star. But he exists he's surviving. in an action. Yeah, exactly. So you can understand him surviving rather than chasing headfirst into danger. Yeah. Which is what Angels and Demons is. Mm. He's he's going headfirst to solve it to save people. No, and I really like and that's what I and I guess that timeline well that clock ticking, the time running out the old yes. clock is one of the um 
best ways about this film. He's took a very slow over a several days Da Vinci Code and then said, look, you now got five hours. The crazy thing about the Da Vinci Code is it only takes place within 12 hours. Really? A 24-hour period, actually. So that's the crazy thing is there should be time stakes. Mm. But there's just not. No, exactly. And in this one, perfectly time stakes. So mm-hmm. They've kidnapped the three cardinals, one is every hour. Yep. You know what I mean? And there's the antimatter that could go off at any time. Exactly, which is meant to go off at midnight. Yeah. Midnight, just before midnight. Yeah. It's got the villainous stakes. Does, does it, so there's there's three or four cardinals. And it starts at six or seven, doesn't it? Four cardinals, then resulting in the last key, which makes the fifth that happens. Yeah, Spoiler, yeah, yeah. spoilers yeah. to Ewan McGregor's character. Yeah, that's cool. So it's the four elements. Earth, yeah, yeah. Wind, wind, fire. And then... What's the other one? Key thingy. Oh, there's an Illuminati one, isn't there? Is yeah, it, yeah, there's, there's Illuminati key. Yes. Oh, sorry, and you forgot heart. Heart? <laughs> <laughs> oh, heart! Earth, wind, fire, water. That's the one we missed. Oh, and water. love. And love. And love. Heart. Heart. Um, so it's really interesting because I think what I love about this film is from the get-go, I wrote a note down, and it's like, again, Howard is so intelligent in the way that he uses his past tricks. Yeah. So you watch this movie and there's so many of his past films appearing in it. Yeah. And we've seen it pop up in Frost Nixon and other films, but not in a recycled way, but in this intelligent way that you're like, oh, yes, he's doing good things here. The start is the paper. Totally. So the paper, if everyone remembers, it starts from inside the clock, the alarm clock. And this one starts off as a reflection on a gold ring. Yes, you know isn't I mean? that great? That's though. beautiful. But I like I like when and and I think it's really good what you're telling me about early when you tell me about the documentary style of it. Yes, I love seeing those little bits of where they break go, the ringer. Shit, really? Is that what they do? What? And from memory, the book goes into a lot of detail about the rhetoric that they follow in order to yeah signal it. Even like adding the powder to the burning. Yeah, that chimney. was cool. That was heaps So cool. people are sitting waiting to look at this chimney. And it, supposedly it happens every time a Pope passes is everyone's staring at this chimney waiting yeah, for meant the smoke. Yeah, it's meant to get huge, man, whenever a Pope passes. But there really is. There's so much. Like the moment where they're going through the Higgs-Botham stuff and it's like spiraling down underground. Oh, yes, yes, is yes. It's very Apollo 13. Yes. And then as it's like following the light beams traveling the particles, you've got a beautiful mind going on there. So there's all these things going on in that that you go, there's so much Howard in this. While this still feels like a Hollywood blockbuster film. Yeah, it's a, and I think he does, and he makes it obviously because it's so hard not to. Yes. It's in Rome, you know, you feel in you're in Rome. You know yes, what I mean? Like don't he, you? he uses the special effects because obviously drones weren't huge at this time. Yeah. But he using the special effects of, you know, above above looking down from a statue yes. looking down or, or using the statues to reflect and, and it is it's one of those things where you you start you feel very much inside this beautiful Italian landscape. You're in the world, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. You are in the world. Especially if, even those moments where um he saves you know, there's the last cardinal who gets thrown into the um, fountain yes. with weights on it. 
Yes. You know what I mean? And and that beautiful little area there that's so, you know, people in the restaurants and stuff like that. It's just one of those moments where you go, oh, I'd love to be there. Not yes. pulling that dude out of the thing. I wouldn't there's, do I'd still be watching. I was like, man, I don't want to get wet. There's but, like, it makes me feel like there are some Bond films that are just within one location all the time. Yeah. And it just felt like a Bond film in that sense. Mm. You know, you just felt you were there. You're a part of it. The culture's all around. It was, I think what it did really well, it felt like it could be going on right now. Yeah. As opposed to, again, to the Da Vinci Code that just seems like some mythical place. Yes, exactly. That all this is going on in. These are these odd little places that you wouldn't really bump into on your own. Yeah, yeah. But what... Which is funny though, because obviously they use landscapes and icons and yes. monuments and that. But in this one, you I guess you're more attached to the. You go, oh yeah, man, this that's been here all their life, but they're actually pointing at something. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. I yeah, love when they yeah. do something like that. It's it's intelligently using yeah monuments that you're aware of. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I do love that. Um, yeah, I really do. I love the way that Howard's approach this film, mm. and the way that. Because this is his first sequel. We can't yeah, hide behind the fact this is the first time we're watching a sequel by Ron Howard. In it, instead of being like, well, I knew what I was doing. Come on, guys. The yeah. Vinci Code was a good film. You got it wrong. And just persevering. He's like, actually, you know what? I will listen to what the people are saying. Yeah. Because I want them to enjoy this character as much as I do. Obviously, he enjoys Robert Langdon as a character. He or he wouldn't to. return for yeah. a third film. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like in that, I love the fact that Howard then goes, okay, well then what do I do to make this the best film that it can be? Yeah. And I think he does it quite successfully. I think, honestly, as any comparison to Da Vinci Code, this is like a total different film. Yes. Like everything, and I don't know whether, you know, what David Cope added to it or not, um, because... David Cope's a perfect person if you think about it. You know, Jurassic Park adventuring. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of that is brought over to here. There's with, a Spielbergian sense there is, to it, oh, isn't there? There is. There's a beautiful Spielbergian sense. And and, and then you see basically um, with Howard's beautiful visuals, it just yes. comes across. It, it is. Doesn't it's, it? It's very good, man. I can't yeah. help but be... It's a slick film. It is a slick film. Look, ultimately... Horrible to say, ultimately a forgettable one in the filmography of it all. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it'll it be one of those movies that in 10 years' time I'll, I'll, I'll stress to th- remember. I'll like, yeah. Oh, is that the one with Ewan McGregor? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that wasn't bad, hey? Yeah, the brandings. Oh, oh, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And um, But it does its purpose, man. It ticks it all the boxes. It, it does. It ticks all the boxes. It's everything I wanted... From the friggin' first film. Yes. Totally. And I'm so shocked at it. I'm shocked and amazed, man, that I was actually able to... um, Get what you hoped for? Yeah, in a sequel. Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely... it's The sequel is better than the first one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, But within the studio system, that's... To me, it's unheard of to be able to do that. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think... I'm, I'm struggling to think of where a sequel... Is better than the first one without the, where the first one isn't good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really, but is financially successful. Yeah, like that's, exactly. That's really exactly. It's interesting, isn't it? It makes the Da Vinci Code an even more intriguing film to me. But yeah, I love Angels and Demons. It's just like it really is. 
it's an intellectual Indiana Jones, which is what Robert Langdon needed to be from the yeah. get-go. And I think that's also another benefit of it is you actually see Robert Langdon get messy. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it, it's He gets knocked around, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. Like, Well, he has to crawl through the mud. He has yep. to get blood on him, you know, and that yes. type of stuff. Where he, he's a little bit too, you know... Um, prestigious in the first one, he's very yeah. You know, everything's always going through the whole, pretty much the whole friggin' movie. Yeah, that's true. Well, this one, yeah, he has to crawl down to the crypts. He gets yeah. blood on him. Yeah, even ch- has even has a change up into the into the into the priest garb. Yes, and I love that little moment. Yeah, it's that, good on you. Yeah, I remember exactly. in the book being like, because there's there's this, it alludes to his past faith throughout the books. So, so past faith. Like Robert Langdon had a faith and he's lost it. Ah, and so they okay. talk about that through with, throughout the books that I've read. Um, and so that moment where he puts the 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 clothes on yeah. and they say that looks good on you is like a, you know, it's it's more about the priest saying to him, you know, come back to your faith, man. Yeah. You know, not not just saying those clothes look nice I like, oh, I like oh. how he does that I like I like there's that little bit of um, man looking for his faith through this whole yeah. through this whole film yeah um, so you good. know what I mean like I like um, right at the end you know where they you know he's saying God sent he goes oh, I don't think so and he goes well you know yeah who else would have you know who else would he have sent <laughs> you know what I mean like if you think of it in that logical perspective you, yep. know, you would send the symbologist to look at <laughs> it's it really is. It's an intelligent film. Mm. I think it's probably a real masterstroke from Howard and Grazer to bring Coop on board. Yes, and I on. think so too. Um, and Coop ends up writing Inferno on his own. Yeah. See, now it's funny. I'm I'm reinvigorated. I yeah. can't wait to watch Inferno. Yeah, me either. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow. I wonder if this, even though like the What's Tom it? Hanks's hair. It's looks a, horrible, but oh, it sure does. But it's an exciting unknown quantity, mm. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And After we've got a couple coming up. This is pretty good. Oh yeah, we've got a couple definitely. Jesus, I think actually of the next couple films coming up, there's probably more I haven't seen than more I have. Yeah, I'm more, I'm curious, incredibly curious. So we'll get to what's happening later. Uh, but I, I really, I'm really surprised in it. I, I loved that it was darker than I expected as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, like that, those branding moments, they're pretty hardcore. I like that villain. Yeah, he's he good, isn't pretty, he? He was pretty cool in the fact that he wasn't standoffishly, like he wasn't, um, sorry, flourishy, weird, like um, Betney. Yes. He was just very systematically cold. He, he's almost like... He was the hitman. He's like a villain out of Bourne. Yeah. You know Clive Owen's character? Yeah, definitely, definitely. He just... If you found out he was a member of Treadstone, you'd be like, hmm, yeah, he's very sense. efficient. Yeah, just incredibly efficient. You know, yeah. he could be your, um, he could be your freaking accountant. And I love the fact that he was just cold. Didn't really get too much into it. That awesome moment where he's like, "I don't want to kill you because I haven't been told I can." Yeah, and it was just like, "I'm just doing what I'm told." Yeah, exactly. You know, I'll follow the Catholic Church. Yeah, and last time you never, you never had a weapon, and you never, you know, and yeah, like, yeah. So good. I love it. Let's talk Ewan McGregor. Ah, let's talk Yui. Because he really is, he is an incredible actor in the way that he can be both villainous and really, you're drawn into him, aren't you? He's like a little boy in this movie. Yes. Which is, you know, it's so funny, like even obviously that he turns out to be a villain, the way he's a villain is he has that very... 
it's like a child child naivety about him. Yes. Um, but only you and McGregor could do that. This is a man very who's much so done Obi Wan at at that time. By that time, he's yeah, definitely he's done definitely Obi-Wan. done Obi Wan, which is a commanding presence. Then yes. suddenly, he's just this meek little priest. Yes, who you found out he's still meek. He just tried to push evil, horrible stuff on. Yeah. That'll, yeah, I love him, but it's Ewan McGregor. Have you seen him. Birds of Prey? Nope. Oh, I should lend it to you, Craig. Is it good? Yeah, Ewan McGregor's so good in I it. I watched a video with him and Danny Boyle today. Oh, did you? Yeah, so they were on, um, they were promoting... Life Less Ordinary? No, no, oh no, Trainspotting. Trainspotting, yeah. So they were promoting Trainspotting too. Oh, yeah, okay, and cool. And they talked about I've because... I've not seen it. Well, they, they were talking about because they stopped talking to each other for about several years. Oh, they had a huge like falling a fight? out. Yeah, a huge oh, falling out no. over the beach. Oh, so going back to DiCaprio, which is a yeah, ironic yeah. story. So oh. he, um, there was a time where Ewan McGregor was considered obviously Danny Boyle's yes go-to guy, um, because he'd done all these films with him. Shallow Grave, yeah, Shallow, Shallow Grave? Grave, and then um, Train Spotting, yeah, Lifeless Order, and he thought he was a perfect match for the beach. Playing DiCaprio's character? Yeah. Oh, man, I would love this. I know, but they went with DiCaprio instead. And so that caused um, a rift. And you hear, no, but you hear Danny Boyle, and they're both sitting on Graham Norton's couch talking about. I love Graham Graham Norton. And, and, you know, Danny Boyle's like, yeah. He goes, I could have really broke it to him a lot better. He goes, but, um, you know, I broke it to him, and we just didn't talk. And, um, and, you know, and Ewan McGregor's like, look, I thought I was the guy who he should have gone to. Yeah. Because at the time I was just like, you know, I was, I, I thought I was there. But, you know, it, in time, you know, he doesn't care now, obviously, Ewan McGregor. And then they talk about um, how they were both going to um, a jury prize. And not many people knew they were fighting. And yeah, he had a well. movie, um, Ewan McGregor had a movie that was going to be judged at one of these film festivals. Yeah, and one of the ladies goes, "Don't worry, your your film will do fine. You've got Danny on the jury," and he's like, "Oh no, because oh. I'm fine." <laughs> then he talks about how they were flying on the way back, and he's um, and he was in first class, and it, there was only three people in first class: Ewan McGregor, his wife, and Danny Boyle. No, and so basically, um, they his wife turned off her light, and he's sitting there. And he can just see Danny Boyle in a seat just front of him. And he's like, this is the time. This is where I should go over and go talk to him. And Danny Boyle's going, yeah, this is the time when I was thinking the exact same. I should go talk to him. And they never did. <gasps> they never talked to each other. They both just turned the light off. And then, yeah, and that was it. But they started talking again when um, um, they asked you and McGregor to present an award to Danny Boyle. Because not many people must have knew they were arguing. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, and he still went up and presented oh, this huge wow. award. Doesn't that speak for someone's yeah, character? And Danny Boy was cried and everything like that. Yeah, they had a huge bust up. Oh, wow. I did had I? no idea, Craig. Did I, man? That's why I was like, I love this. This is beautiful. Oh, let's just take a moment and let's talk some of Ewan McGregor's filmography because I think for a lot of people, they might not just know exactly how, just quite how prolific an actor this guy is. Oh man, he not a is, death of an extra, but no, he has to be. You, you have to understand this is one of the greatest actors of our time. Yes, um, who's like the Kate Winslet type fashion? You know what I mean? Very much so, because he is. Look, and, and it's funny that we've already 
done these comparisons, like we've picked up these comparisons with um, DiCaprio because they are very, they are very similar. Yeah. Their tra- career trajectory, you know, one yes. got his job from train spotting as a junkie, the other from basketball diaries as a Yeah, junkie. that's true. Um, and they've both been through that gangster, um, that gangster phases. They both look like they're still in high school. Yes. You know what I mean? Because you've grown up with these two, um, these two actors. Yeah. And so it's really, yeah, Ewan, man, he's just, he's one of my favorite all-time actors. He's... Oh, he's one of mine as well. Anything you know that he's going to be in is going to be quality. That was the only reason I was sort of excited about this film, just to see you, McGregor. Oh, I'm glad. And he brings it well, doesn't he? Oh, he does. He? He's, just, he's just... Like, thank you. Like, let's be honest. It's a role where it could have really been played by a lot of other people and you really wouldn't have shifted the film one way or another. True. But it was just added class that it was McGregor. It, it was, but I think that the payoff at the end when you're watching the footage of him... Deceiving everybody. Oh yeah, true. No, that's a very I think good point. it takes a quality actor to bring that in the way that it was done. Also, the point where Howard so when um Ewan McGregor's character is deceiving everyone. So they, yes. they deceive everyone. Um he's deceiving everyone, making everyone think that he's a hero because he took this helicopter with the bomb up into the sky and blew up and he magically has this um, like a beautiful explosion sequence. Yes. And um, Ewan McGregor actually gets out and everyone thinks he's a gigantic hero. And so all these conclave of cardinals, because obviously the Pope had died, all these conclave of cardinals are going, well, let's just choose Ewan McGregor as our Rance as our is bringing Pope. that yeah, Rance is like, yeah, man, that's, that's it. And, he, um, and, you, and they build him up. So you're like, yeah, man. He yeah, deserves to yeah, be. Get Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Because Ewan McGregor came in early and did this gigantic speech about being of the heart and being honest yes. and, you know, revitalizing the church and all that type of stuff. And so you're like, yeah, go, go, go. Do Ewan. it, Ewan. Mm. I love it. I love the, the the turn of that is really well played out. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that it's is. really well played out. Let's take a look at his filmography. Yeah, let's have a look at his filmography. So he'd been in one film before Shallow Grave. What was that? It was called Being Human. Oh, cool. It's in 94. Then... Couple of years after that, he's in Train Spotting. Becomes massive from Train Spotting. Watch Shallow Grave. No, <laughs> that's I, a pretty damn good film. Man. Yeah, I've heard people say that's great things about it. Pretty damn good film. Um, same year as Train Spotting's released, Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow's released. He's in that. Oh, really? Yeah. He was also in Brassed Off that year. Oh wow! I forgot yeah, about Brassed Off, man. Ninety-seven. He's in A Life Less Ordinary. Thank you, Danny Ball. Yeah. Did you see that one with Cameron Diaz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Really cool. He's got that sick sort of. He looks like a member of Oasis in it from memory. He's also in Velvet Goldmine the year after. Goes on the year after that to be in Star Wars. Following that, Moulin Rouge. Black Hawk Down, then Star Wars Episode Two. Black Hawk Down, man. I once again, he looks like he's tan. Yeah, he does in that. He was a pretty charming with Renee Zellweger in Down With Love. Down With Oh, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Then Big Fish. I love, you know. How good is he in Big Fish? of all time. I love that movie so much. That's, that, that's Tim so, Burton, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those films I can just keep watching 
and watching and watching. It's and watching. so good, isn't it's it? Fantastic. Here's a little throwback to some films that we've talked about already. Robots. He did the main voice in Robots. Oh, that's right. And is, he was also he also did the main voice in a Pigeons movie. Yeah, called Valiant. Valiant Came out the same right. year. Oh, did it really? Yeah, because yeah, I remember going, oh, I should have watched it. It's Ewan McGregor, but I was like, nah. This is listen to his 2005, right? His 2005 is Robots, Valiant, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. and The Island. Oh. All in the one year. That's pretty damn good. That's a huge year. I haven't watched all of The Island yet. It's not bad. It's one of Michael Bay's better films. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Yep. He then goes on to be in Miss Potter with Renee Zellweger. Oh, yeah, that was a Beatrice good film. Potter I film. I really it. good. He did. I've never seen the same year as Angels and Demons. He was in I Love You, Philip Morris, which was the oh, Jim yeah, Carrey movie yeah, where they pretend to be lovers to in order to get no, out. No, of no, no, no. I no, love you, Philip Morris. Yeah, they are lovers. They are lovers, yeah, aren't so they? And it's about how he tries to break him out. Yes, yeah. that's right. He was also 2009 in The Men Who Stare at Goats. I haven't seen that. It's really quirky but cool. Yeah, yeah. That's George Clooney directed that. Yeah. yeah. George Clooney, Jeff Bridges, Kevin Spacey. Jeff Bridges. Uh, he was also in Amelia that year. Oh, wow. With Amy Adams. Yeah. Oh, well, Hilary Swank, Hillary sorry. Swank. And Richard Gere was in that. Then he goes on to be in Nanny McPhee. He was also in uh, Haywire by um, Steven Soderbergh. That was the a Impossible. Good movie. Did you see The Impossible? Oh, man. That is a hardcore Naomi Watts. Yeah. That is one of the Tom hardcore. Holland? Oh, wow. Tom Holland's the little son. Mind, Jeffrey. That's right. He is. That's where he got discovered. Boo. Yep. And the- Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot, obviously. No, he's not in Billy Elliot. Well, he's in the musical. Yeah, he was in the musical. Yeah. Not. Not the film. No, no. Then eh, there's a couple. He's got a bit of a lean spell going on here. Jack the Giant Slayer, A Million Ways to Die in the West, and Mordecai. I think all of those films were a bit. He directed his first film in 2015 as well. What's that? He did The Last Days in the Desert. I've got that at home. I've got. I've yet to watch it. Yeah, so that's him. So it's meant to be. So he plays Jesus, but he also plays the devil. Oh. So he. It's about. Jesus coming to a family in the desert because obviously it's about it's about Jesus' forty days in the desert. Yeah, and he also plays um, the role of being tempted as well. So it's all about the temptation. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I, I was curious to see how he'd play it. So Actually, apologies, that wasn't his first film directed, but he was in it. So I've got um, that at home. He he goes on to direct a film. I think it's called American Pastoral. Uh, then he's in Train Spotting Two, Beauty and the Beast as Lumiere. Have you seen the Fargo TV series that he's in? No. He, is he looks very different. Yeah, I've he seen I've seen the clips of like and how he looks, man. It looks, and that's where he broke up with his wife. And then the next, th- the past three years, he's been in Christopher Robin for Disney. I love that movie. Have you uh, seen it? No, yeah, it breaks your heart, man. Doctor Sleep, which you are a big oh, fan of, huge of it, man. That's one of the most impressive films I've seen, seriously, in like months. And this is incredible to think, but Birds of Prey actually was released this year. Wow. <laughs> really? That's because 2020 feels like it's gone on for about 18 years. It is 18 years worth. <laughs> it's crazy. So Ewan McGregor is a prolific actor. He yeah. is in so much. I love him in Moulin Rouge. I love him in everything. So I love him. I'm so glad he's a part of this film because I actually think he's... It would have been a slap in the face though if... DiCaprio got this role as well. Oh, that'd be awesome. I would have loved that. <laughs> With Danny Boyle just uh, ghost directing. 
<laughs> um, so I love Ewan McGregor. He's he really does. He classes up everything. Now we also need to take. There's a good supporting cast in this. Yeah. Stellan Skarsgård's doing great as the bodyguard. Yep, always does. Now you know the interesting. There's the bodyguard who is like very blonde, a younger guy, very blonde. Yeah, yeah, the guy who looks like um the guy from Sound of Music. Yes. Well, Here he was we actually. 16, um, the second choice if Paul Bettany didn't get his role in The Da Vinci Code. Oh, wow. He really? was going to play that guy. And they liked him so much that they kept him on file for a future role and they thought this was perfect for oh, him. Oh, that's pretty cool because, yeah. yeah, he does have that weird freaky... He's got that almost albino look to yeah, him, he doesn't does, he? Yeah, he does, he does. So, yeah, he was, he was set to be a part of Da Vinci Code and then they brought him in for this. Um, it's really interesting. I... I don't have lots to say about this film because I think you nailed it, Craig, when you said, like, as bad as it sounds, it, in Howard's filmography, yeah, is probably one of the mid-range films. Yeah, it is. It is. And But what's crazy is if we think about our, you know, our voting, our, our board ranking board. here... Uh, my words are just not happening today, Craig, oh, which is right. terrible for a podcast. Uh, but like, if we looked at sort of mid-table for this, generally we've got sort of your cocoons, your splashes. Eddie TV. TV, ransom, backdraft around there. And I think this is like, this to me actually felt like backdraft yeah. in its tone. It, actually, Angels and Demons, the way that, the solve the mystery, the yeah. tension with that was what I'd hoped backdraft would be. Yeah, true. That's and but I, and there's nothing is I don't know whether I like this more because I hated the first one so much. Yeah, that's a valid point. You know what I mean? Like I came in with such a low expectation. The yep. fact that it wasn't a turd fire it makes me go, oh yeah, this is good. But no, to be honest, it wasn't. Like I don't from a total objective point of view, it's it's very much. A classy thriller. Yeah, it is. It's, it's not a, Hitchcock, but it's a classy thriller. It's a classy thriller. There are far worse thrillers out there. Yeah, I could see. I could see why this would have been a good money maker that year. Yeah, and it was like the budget was one hundred and fifty million dollars. They spent. Uh, they made four hundred and eighty-five. Look, so it deserves. Yeah, so it deserves. It's a good thriller. And that's a, Damn good year to make that money, That's man. That's exactly. We're talking billion dollar films in there. So yeah, exactly. the fact that this nearly took five hundred million, that's impressive. That's an impressive, impressive, impressive effort for for this film. And you could probably see why after nearly eight hundred million for Da Vinci Code, nearly five hundred for Angels and Demons, Inferno would be an easy green light. Oh yeah, incredibly. incredibly. So you'd be like, it's easy. Let's do it. Let's bring Bobby back. Bobby yeah. Langdon back. Let's bring him back. What's Opie up to? Yeah, he'll do another one. Yeah, Ronnie's on, on board. Come on, Ape. Ronnie's on board. Now, Craig, I'm really interested. We are pumping through this episode. This one's going to be a quick one. Sorry, John. Yeah, sorry, brother. He's going to send me a message. Hope you close up shop in time. Uh, but. Not yelling at people. I just think overall, when I really think about this film, there's not a lot more that you can say other than it takes what was wrong in Da Vinci Code, it writes it. Yep. And it's an enjoyable experience to watch. It is. Oh, look, seriously, if it's not a movie, I would never, I would not recommend. It's a movie. If someone goes, "Oh, should I watch it?" Okay, yeah, man, 
It you give it a go. It's a good couple of hours. It'll yeah. take it out of you. You know, it's not like, you know, we just watch tenant. It's not like you're gonna leave it thinking, Ooh, wow. That's very tenant like. But <laughs> it's 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 a movie that you're just gonna leave going, Yeah, that was that was good enough, you know. Yeah, cool, I'm going to bed. <laughs> if I was going out for it's interesting. It makes me feel that like this is gonna sound terrible. But it's a married person date movie. Yes. Yeah, it is. You know, it is. like it's actually it, a pretty. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty. It's slightly misguided date movie as well. Just yeah. a normal date movie. It's just maybe like, let's go watch it. You'd go, hey, we love Tom Hanks. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to go watch him be as like Indiana Jones? Exactly. And I and, and I'd be and I'd be so happy. I'd be so happy watching a film. I wouldn't. I like. I wouldn't even undo my fly. <laughs> On a, on, a date, on a date film, I would be like, you know, hey, check this out. Yeah. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be concerned about the reaction. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> I wouldn't be thinking about. It. I'd just be thinking about the movie. I'd be thinking about the movie. I, I love where your head's at, Craig. Thank you, thank that's, you. That's exactly All the, where think. the head isn't at. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, we went there. I've never but done that in a theatre. Never, no. I passed through a movie. Have you? Pashed, yeah, I fucking and I and I regret it. It was phenomenal with John Travolta. Oh, I know, I love phenomenal with John Travolta. I know, but she kept wanting a pash. I was like, ah, oh, and I was just. Yeah. I just don't. It makes no sense to I was me. Just, I know it's, it made to no sense to me. Pay money to do that. I know it made no sense to me, and that's what I said. I was, that's why I stopped a bit way through. I said, look, I just. I really want to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that relationship end up? <laughs> oh, it, it went well. It went well, you know. <laughs> it lasted a full month. Was I was a- always like, let's just hold it off until afterwards. Yeah, let's man. build this tension, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's build the tension up, baby. <laughs> but yeah, I've never never done anything crazy like that in a movie. Because it's a movie theater, man. Shit. I oh. go there to watch a movie. Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? There's car parks to do that. And oh. alleyways. <laughs> and dumpsters. <laughs> To do that type of shit. Public toilets. Yeah, Sonny Bill did it. <laughs> Sonny Bill. Whoa. I've, oh, I've that, that. Holy moly. There's oh, a little memory, Z. Awesome. Yeah, that was crazy, wasn't it? Oh, that was huge. That was a huge story. If people don't know. Yeah, a famous football player took a, uh, a famous Olympian athlete. No, she was a uh, singer. Oh, was she a singer? And That's... also the fiance of a teammate. That's right. Took her into a toilet, yeah. And then some dude just... Was filming it under the toilet. Exactly. <laughs> so, in see, the stall. If you see, you see uh, her hand on the wall and he's lining her up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> we don't know if you Horrible. How rude. Yes, but it's a good film. I really enjoy it. I don't I have a lot it. more to say about it. I don't it. have much more to say about it. It was, just, it was a really good film. It had the Illuminati... Yeah. And be nice or naughty. <laughs> Do you remember that? Jim Carrey used to carry around singing, I am Maluminati. I can be nice or naughty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. Actually, we need to go down a little rabbit hole with Illuminati. Please. Yeah, Do you want to take know. us down the rabbit oh, hole? I can't remember much of it now. So oh, no, it wasn't right. a very good hole. It wasn't a really good one. Because oh, it just like, it was, it was originally started just with this. Um, with a guy, I mean, he's four of his mates, and they just really just wanted to build a and be enlightened. Obviously, that's yep. what the Illuminati meant. And it was it's about enlightened thinking where they didn't, and they wanted to make sure he wanted to build amongst the elite only because these people would eventually come into power. Yeah, and so he wanted it to be the fact that he wanted to teach them philanthropy. He wanted it was meant to be a, like a very um, a good, yeah, you know what I mean, um, a good cult. 
But what happened was um, one of the kings basically ended up banning any secret cults and so they had to come out in public and then everyone thought that they died. But then George Washington wrote in an e- in a l- email, in a letter that basically that referenced the Illuminati and then that what's kicked off everyone in wow, their Illuminati okay. conspiracy theories now. Because the currency has references to it. Yeah. Oh, supposedly. No, the currency more has references to Freemasonry. Oh, the all-seeing eye. Yeah, so Freemasonry, because supposedly at the time, the Illuminati wanted to get in um, because everyone was already in the Freemasonry cult. Yep. And so the people who started the um, people who started the um, Illuminati obviously went into, like they say in the movie, the Illuminati were great at basically getting into other organizations. Yep. And so they got in a lot very deeply in freemasonry and so a lot of that gets confused yeah wow yeah but supposedly but the where it's got lost over time is that the illuminati is is meant to be um not so much secretive but it was meant to be an organization that was good yeah okay spirit and you know you obviously you don't see it now with the dickheads out there today yeah but it's meant to be good in spirit it's not meant to take over the world it was meant to be more about philanthropy it's meant to be more about free thinking um it was at a time where um state and church were getting very molded like i guess like some places in the states now yeah but yeah and they wanted to they wanted to have that Dialogue. Love it. I know, Love I know. it, Craig. Thanks for taking us down the rabbit hole, Craig. Oh, that was just a weird one. Yeah, it's I know. I was just reading that a little bit. I don't I know think how. You to... can't talk the film without talking a bit about the Illuminati and the way that, you know, yeah. there's nowadays there's rumors that there's people like Jay Z is a member of the. Tom Hanks. Film. They said Tom Hanks is a member of the cannibal kid traf- child trafficking. What? So, okay, so this is these. Okay, so I'm going to look. I'm, I'm going to really go straight out and say these. QAnon people are fucking idiots. So so one of them is is that they kidnap children, okay? The Hollywood elite kidnap right. children. So this is what QAnon, whatever you hear. They, ki- they kidnap children and Tom Hanks and all these other people are part of where they eat something of the child, like they cannibalize the child so they can live longer. What? And then also child sex trafficking. Now, for some reason, this QAnon thing um, is Donald Trump is supposedly anti all of this and he's coming in to clean out these elite. And so he actually saw this, even though he was friends with Jeffrey Epstein and all that, but we all ignore that shit. He came into into power to actually stop. Stop these drug and pedophile Oh, that's why he came into power, did he? Exactly. And this pandemic that we're currently in now. Right. Yeah, exactly. This is all part of it. So supposedly in Melbourne. Right. This is currently in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. uh, There's a lockdown there. Yes. Because, not because of the um, COVID, but because it was all a secret. So they could go in and save 300 children from drug traffic, uh, from child traffickers. Which are run by Hollywood elite. In Melbourne. In Melbourne. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a it's a really interesting oh, we're in such an interesting time. Oh, <laughs> we're in we? such an interesting time, man. It's it's a time where we're either gonna fucking die or go straight up. This it's is a time so where we evolve weird. or stay at the same place. Yeah. Man. And I, I think every evolve. civilization comes to that. 
You know what I mean? The Middle Goodness. East, the Middle East and civilizations had a very similar one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because they used to be the most technologically advanced. Because um, the European civilization was considered shit. Yeah. But they they went one way, and then you know instead of going the other. So so crazy. This it's madness, man. This world is just weird, man. I don't know what to believe, hey. Because there's a few people that I do uh, follow on social media. And they're talking a lot. There, there is a lot of stuff about child sex trafficking within Hollywood. I'd yeah, not heard the cannibal element to it. I look. I, I I read a brilliant article about it today, where um, no one has bothered to ask the actual um, organisations that are built in these that help um, save these trafficking. And one guy did, and he goes, "This these people are going no, none of this. There's we've seen nothing that." points out to conspiracy because what it is is it's 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 straight in your it's in your face yeah it's prostitution yeah it's it's these online um these online, there's no conspiracy behind it there's these people who are organizing basically stealing of you know young look let's be honest young asian kids you know kids who can go missing um yes or as they sometimes call them the lesser dead because people won't follow them up um chasing down these people and actually exploiting them. And that's this is where it all is. He goes, one of the, he goes, it was horrible because a lot of their hotlines are now being, all these resources are being carried, are being taken away because they have to answer these stupid conspiracy theory calls yeah, okay. instead of actually pointing it towards, you know, this father who's selling it to, selling his daughter to his friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, no, this one person's called in and said, look, there's a conspiracy here. And yeah. so that person, other person can't call in. So that's where a lot of that's been ruined. And it is. There's, look, there's, is there a conspiracy thing? No, there's conspiracies. There's there's sexual places. Of course there is. There's fucking throughout history. Yeah. There has been. And there is, and they're probably never going to stop being these places. But there's not fucking Tom Hanks eating the, <laughs> the livers of children to to remain younger. Because if you look at Tom Hanks, it's fucking failing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's fucking failing. Wait, to, okay. If you don't believe me, compare this film to Inferno and look at his hair. Okay. If you're thinking, if you're getting, he's, he must be getting the lowest dosage of fucking kid liver in the world because it ain't fucking working. It ain't fucking working. Well, look at the trailer for Greyhound and then watch the trailer, then watch Splash. <laughs> like how long did, it's just not working, man. You fucking, you, if, you see more results from watching a L'Oreal ad. So you might as well just get a fucking L'Oreal because that would be cheaper than getting a kid off the trafficking right. agency. It's so funny. <laughs> you are so funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's still got bags under his eyes, man. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> poor old Hanks. He can't no, no, poor old Hanks, let's, man. Uh, let's be honest. And Hanks, the poor boy got COVID. He got COVID. So it's not oh, like... But that's part of the pandemic. Oh, is it? Yeah, that why yeah. he was in it, the country? Ignoring not, all, our, all our hard workers. Not at the filming hosp- a Baz Luhrmann film. No, no. Fuck <laughs> no. <laughs> Where so he's playing Luke. Elvis because, you know, he got the new dose of liver. <laughs> Kid liver. He's playing Elvis. <laughs> Classic. He's his manager, isn't he? Yeah, he plays yeah. His, yeah, the Colonel. I can't wait for the that. Colonel. I can't wait for I that. And I like the actor who plays um, Elvis. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is it that dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I watched him in Sort of Shannara. Oh, series, so is yeah. it good? Yeah, yeah. I watched the f- first season, which was, I loved. 
and half of the second image. Oh, I see it pop and up it on Netflix. It has the girl from um, Pan's Labyrinth in it. Oh, really? Ophelia. Banquero. Yeah. Beautiful girl. Another one of those girls that we you'll look at and I go, oh, she's, oh, no, she's only a little girl. I know her as the little girl. She's the Pan's Labyrinth girl. Yeah. But she's beautiful, man. Like beautiful, like sexy, beautiful. Oh, I'll check it. Yeah, check it out. I'll check it out. It's, it pops up on my, I think it's on my watch list. Also, Angels and Demons is on Netflix if you want to watch it, people. Check it out. Yeah, it's get on, on it. You can check it out, see if we're right or wrong. Yeah. But Craig, overall, what do you think about the movie? Great. Loved it. Yeah, good. Like, um, like, like, oh, sorry, not great. You good. feel like you haven't wasted good. your money? Loved it. It was a good movie ticket. It took me to exactly where I like movies to take me. Um, and you know, Date movie. Yeah, exactly. You know, And that's it. Not first date movie. Oh. Probably like... Oh, you could go first date. Have you, what you movie all... have you ever taken a first date to? Hmm. I took a first. Oh, one of my worst tell first your, dates. Tell me yours, Craig. This is going to be the I best. Fucking, I took a Russian girl to see um, <laughs> a Russian girl to see um, Snatch. Who <laughs> 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 the fucking thing? They they all through the whole film. Sneaky fucking Russians. <laughs> and all this movie, man. I remember Boris just, the bullet Boris dodger. the bullet dodger. I fucking. And seriously, oh, I just and and I remember just going, "Oh yeah, uh, sorry about that." And she goes, "Yeah, yeah, that's alright." I can't crave for the life of me remember what a first date movie has been. Yeah, man, I don't. I can't think of most of like first I don't think of movies. I don't think I've done first dates at the movies. I've usually just like. Done a dinner somewhere. Yeah, same. But it's just yeah, I've taken a couple. I tell you what, a first movie would have been. Uh, I that. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, oh Harry Potter. Oh yeah, true. That's that's a good one. I think I went and saw Harry Potter. They replayed it and went and saw a Harry Potter. Remember when I took Brooke to There Will Be Blood? Oh, I do. (laughs) I do. Under the guise of the fact that it was was a love love story. story. (laughs) (laughs) There was love. There was love. He loved oil. Oh, man. And he loved milkshakes. He did love milkshakes. (laughs) One of my best. I took Kathy Lee to see John Wick 3. Actually, she took me to see John Wick 3 for my birthday. She went to see John Wick 3. She She hates stabby stuff. She hates stabby. I talked to some... But admittedly... It's usually shooty, and this That's is the most exactly stabby right. of all of them. And so I said to some friends who saw that it. That fight scene with the knives, I would have loved to be there. <laughs> so my wife, I love her so much. She hates uh, stabbiness in films. Mm. Um, and I asked some friends, I said, hey, how stabby is it? Is there lots of knives? <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. Lots of guns, man. Bit of punching. That'll be it. Oh. So I was like, Kathleen, I've been told. That it's got like gun violence. Can you handle that? She said, "Yeah." She was like really keen. She wanted me to go out, and it's so beautiful. It was like on my birthday. Yeah, took me to the cinemas. Took me out for ribs. Just wanted me to do my two favorite things. Yeah, you know, beautiful. Uh, I looked over in the opening scene, which is John Wick fighting in that library. Yeah. And he sticks a book in someone's mouth and punches it oh, till yeah. it goes it's through superb, his head. Uh, I look over at Kathy Lee and she was rigid in her chair with her oh. eyes closed. And about 15 minutes in was the knife yeah, where fight they in, that the, hole. in the knife shop. Oh, that is brilliant. And it's such a good scene. And I looked over and again, she's rigid and got her eyes closed. And I said, look, it's okay if we go home. It Did you just go home? Going. She soldiered on the entire film. Oh, what a legend. And afterwards, it's so beautiful. I'm like, 
I'm really sorry. I know you're. She was. Her eyes were closed for most yeah. of that movie, and she's like, "It's okay. I just went to my happy place and started planning how I could rearrange the house." <laughs> <laughs> God, love her. That's love awesome. It. That's so awesome. good. Um, Brooke could just bitch about it for days. <laughs> she's so nice. Could have done more lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy will never see a John Wick film with me again. Oh, but, that's a shame. Uh, that's okay. I know I can go watch it with my with my movie crew. Yeah, the I'm movie crew. I'm going to sit with my movie crew. Hey, so I enjoyed the film. I got way better than I'd anticipated, I guess, after Da Vinci Code. Yeah, same. I feel like this showed a movie that Ron Howard could make and make well. And it shows that he can learn from mistakes. 100%. Very teachable, which I yeah, think is exactly. a great takeaway. Yeah, exactly. Especially at a time in his career where he doesn't have to be teachable. No, not at all. He could have just stuck to his guns going, well, that's, shit, that's how I do my shit. Exactly. And I think a, show, a, a film like Angels and Demons, it sets us up well for later when we get to Solo. Yeah. You know, I think it shows how he can work within a studio system. It shows how he can learn well from mistakes of others and really take something and make it great. So, jumping to a total different topic. Please. Do you think that's what Christopher Nolan is now? Learning from his mistakes? Just going, no. He's turning him just going, no, I'm unapologetically, this is my shit. Yeah. You You either get on this train or don't ride it at all. It's really hard. I think... Tenant, so well, we've the, been talking. We we've we'll, been we we just watched Tenant. We watched Craig it with and the I crew. got to see an advanced screening on the weekend. Yep, uh, we've been discussing it at length because our experience was the sound mix was terrible. Yep, uh, so much so we could barely hear audio. But and the like, other effects were like at one point I I could feel it in my chest and the only other time I felt sound effects in my chest mm. was at a rock concert and I got dropped in front of the speaker. Oh Jesus. So it was so loud my ears were ringing like I'd been at a concert. Technically fantastic film. Oh, um, like a great film. Sorry, technically a great film. It's an astounding achievement in film. Yep. That is very much let down by the sound. Yep. Which I think inhibits the viewer from grasping the complex plot that the film has. Yeah, exactly. Which means the viewer can't is not as invested to, to exactly. move along with the film at the time. Exactly. But yeah, once again, I off think track. the the answer to the question is Tenant that. Yeah. I think Tenant is a tug of war film for Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan has been very bold in the way that he's approached the release of the film. Yeah. He refused to delay it till next year. Yeah. He was adamant, reportedly adamant, that he wanted this to be the first film released post-COVID. Yeah. Obviously, the US market has got some cinemas open, so Mm. therefore it's released there, but really he's sort of given that one. Yeah. But, that approach had made me concerned that he was becoming pig-headed in his Well, see, that's beliefs. what I'm saying. So, Interstellar has that same sound mix issues. Yeah. Um, but do you know what? I went and saw Interstellar when Darling Harbour's IMAX was closing. Yeah. I got to see a re-release of Interstellar there. There was not an issue with sound. But is this, is this where, because we just see Ron Howard do it differently, where I think he learned from his mistakes. 100%. Is this 
where Christopher Nolan has become that director where who thinks I can't l- learn anything new. I think he's teetering there. He's in his and the reason that I agree with you is that... He's in his own silo, an amazing a, silo. Yeah. The gr- it's the greatest cathedral in the world, but it just doesn't take into account where it's surrounding. I think he believes that he knows the medium of cinema. Yeah. Not film, but cinema. Yeah. I think that's a really important distinction in Tenant. Yeah, I think is, that's a important distinction with Nolan. Yes, because cinema is his church. Yeah. It's it's and take me to church. The, oh, and he does, you know, and every film he takes you to church. Yeah, but Tenet shows that he is potentially becoming bigger than the film he's making. Yeah, exactly. And the only reason I say this, and I I love Christopher Nolan. Craig calls me a Nolanite. I'm not a Nolanite. <laughs> I won't get online and argue with <laughs> people about it or get cranky if people don't share my opinion. Like, people can have their opinion. But the reason I think that Nolan has felt he knows better than audiences hmm. is that this is the same issue that Bane had. Yeah, exactly. In The Dark Knight Rises. That far back. And so... In this film, there are so many moments where people have to wear masks Yeah, that you would think someone within his creative group, and he'd have one, hmm. would say, oh, dude, remember Dark Knight Rises? Those masks caused so much issue with Bane. People complained about not being able to hear. I reckon we're going to get in the same boat here. But instead, it's like, well, just do the same thing to the rest of the vote. So maybe he's surrounded by Nolanites. He could be surrounded by Yes Men, mm. and that lets it down. But you'd think at least one studio exec would say, oi. No, they've, the studio execs bend and, are bending over him, hence the reason it's out. Yeah, that's true. I don't think anyone's saying no to him. I hope he learns from it. But look, look, insane is, look, and obviously we're going to do a mini episode on this. It's not a bad film. Tenet is an amazing film. Go watch it. Yes. <laughs> Go watch it. It's Go watch it. Go watch it for a cinematic experience you'll never forget. Yeah. Remember, look, there's a scene in the film where they say, um, don't don't overthink it, just feel it. Go into the movie and feel the cinema in this film. Yeah. And you'll love it. Yeah. And I think that's sort of my approach for a lot of films. Yeah, it is. And so I think I probably was more forgiving of Tenet than the rest of the people that we went with. Uh, I think Tenet, in future views, I'll know that Tenet is a massive achievement in film. Mm. I think the the end sequence that goes for a good half an hour and is essentially a war scene taking place in two concurrent timelines on screen at the same time is just something that I could pull apart for days and weeks. And oh, there'll be something new you, you'll see every time you watch this film. And it will be a film that people will copy. Yeah. So he's done something amazing. So, look, Tenant is an achievement, but I do worry that Christopher Nolan, with Tenant thinks he knows better than the viewers. Yeah. And that is a really dicey place to be as a filmmaker. Yeah. Because you can lose an audience in an instant if they feel you think they're dumb. Exactly. There's Look, there's... N- it's and it's a it's a true fact is there's no money in being an auto. Yes. Um and so you'll for someone and he needs the money because his visions are too big to be an independent filmmaker. 
Um, yep. And so he needs he a needs big a studio, studio backing, a big money behind yeah, him. Totally. Mm. Yeah, I shuddered. It's like Spielberg. You can't. Spielberg's visions are way too big for him to be an independent filmmaker. You can't make and Lucas a Ready Player One. No, on an indie budget. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's it needs the backing. And Nolan, he is. I love the physicality of his films. Yeah. The practicality of his films. Um, And so I don't want him. I don't want him to have a flop because I don't want to continue seeing films by him in this style. So please get out and see Tenet. Yeah. Uh, but do it safely. Yeah. We're not safe. telling you to go out and be unsafe. Uh, I'm sure they're going to do some sort of on-demand market soon. Yeah, exactly. No passion in the theatres. So yeah, no passion. Well, especially if you the don't the know theaters. the person next year. So Craig, I'm really interested. Let's go over to ranking. Yeah, let's rank rank. And take a look at the Cinefool Studio. Man, I haven't even thought about this, hey? Oh, I haven't either. So currently, Craig, we've got 20 films to talk about today. So we've got A Beautiful Mind at number one. Frost Nixon's at number two, followed by Apollo 13, The Missing and Willow. That's your top five. Then Far and Away, Parenthood, Cinderella Man, Backdraft and Cocoon round out the ten. Followed by Splash, Ed TV, The Paper, Ransom and The Da Vinci Code. Then we've got Halle Grinch Style Christmas, Night Shift, Gung Ho and Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. For myself, Frost Nixon at number one, followed by A Beautiful Mind, Cinderella Man, Apollo 13, and The Paper. That's my top five. Then we have The Missing, Parenthood, EdTV, Willow and Cocoon, my top ten. Far Away, Ransom, Backdraft, Gung Ho, Splash, and The Da Vinci Code. Then How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Grand Theft Auto, and Night Shift at number 19. Now, Angels and Demons, Craig, where are you slotting this in? Um, I'm going to start this right before the Da Vinci Code. Right before so the Da Vinci Code? So after Ransom? Yeah, after Ransom. Wow. So at number 15, you're going Angels no. and Demons. Ransom is at 14 currently. Yeah, no, no. So 13, yes. So four, um, 13 is Ransom. 14 will be this. Cool. 15 will be Angels and Demons. Oh, remembering, I haven't updated the whiteboard for oh, people sorry. at home. So with... Frost Nixon being at two. Oh yeah, sorry, got your Ransom point. Ransom yep. will be fourteen. Yep, yep, blah, blah, Angels blah. and Demons at fifteen. Da Vinci Code at sixteen. Yeah, interesting, interesting. I'm actually dropping this up to thirteen. Ooh, because I think it's a better film than Backdraft. Ah, so I've got Backdraft currently at thirteen. So this will put Ransom at twelve, Angels and Demons at thirteen, followed by Backdraft, Gung Ho, Splash. The Da Vinci Code, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Grand Theft Auto, and Night Shift. Cool. I think it's a good mid-level film. It is a good mid-level film. In Ron Howard's filmography. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anything grand about it. No. I don't think there's anything elaborate about it. No. But he's doing really well and using all these tricks to make an enjoyable film. Exactly. And so I'm glad with that. So, Craig, for those people at home, where can they find us? You can go on to Twitter or Instagram at FFTL Podcast. Or if you want to, go on to Facebook. We've got a group on there. Um, like, Well, we've got a page on there, sorry. Get on there, chat with us um, from First to Last Podcast. Or you can email us at www. Or just go to our website, www.fftlpodcast.com. Or yep. email us at info at fftlpodcast. Perfect. Like we say every week, rate us, review us, subscribe. Do all those things. Help people to know about us. Share us with your friends. Tell us. Tell your friends. Tell Tell your friends friends all about us. Not not if one of your friends is Susan Boyle. That's probably one of (laughs) them.
Definitely well, someone do who's part of QAnon. Please. Yeah, no, we don't need that. We don't need that in our lives. We've already had this Snyder fanatics yeah, come after us. Know, we don't need QAnon now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Craig, next week we are talking the dilemma. And it is a dilemma for me. Vince Vaughn, Kevin James. Kathy Lee's already Love told Vince me Vaughan. she doesn't like Vince Vaughn. So I like Vince Vaughn. Out. So Don't like Kevin James. It's an unknown quantity well, for I both of us. I can't say I've ever really given him a chance. I like him in Hitch. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I didn't mind him in Hitch. That's, uh, that's it. But I'm really interested about what the film's about. I'm interested in how it sits in Ron Howard's filmography. So I'm, I'm interested in why it sits in his filmography. It's so strange, isn't it? I, I can't wait I'm to just, find yeah, out. I've I done my research. I look so. at it and go, why, Ron? Yeah, it's, it, it makes sense. Like, yeah, it feels like just Ron's jumped on. Yeah. Like he's done a solo. A late, a late yeah. grab. Yeah, exactly. We'll find out that it's like he's written it or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now we'll be like, what the? But yeah, it's interesting. So tune in next week, The Dilemma. Who knows what we're going to get in it? Yeah, true. Um, we'll learn together. So from all of us here, at From First to Last Podcast, I'm Jeff Reed. I'm Craig Killian. And we'll catch you next week. See you guys. <laughs>